Come here this morning for the word of the Lord. May you not be disappointed as we are going to go into the word of the Lord and we continue in our study through the wonderful book of Revelation. This morning there's a war in heaven. That's our theme this morning, our topic. There's a war in heaven. Revelation chapter 12. We finished with the two witnesses. We saw all of that happening last week, how they were dead, and the Word of God says the life, the breath of God came back into them, and you remember how the people were greatly afraid when they saw these men starting to live again, and CNN was there, and MBSBC, and BBC, and what do you call them, all was there, and great fear grabbed a hold of these people, and now the focus changes in in Revelation chapter 12, to John again, and he sees a great sign. We're going to read that. A great sign in heaven. And uh, in Revelation chapter 12, he says, And a war broke out in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. And I love this, verse 8. He says, but, what is that? Sharp contrast. He says, but, they did not prevail. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. They did not prevail. And I'm not surprised. Are you surprised? I'm not surprised that they did not prevail. And they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So we will look into that verse once we get to it. But I want you to open up in Revelation chapter 12 as we go from verse 1. It says in verse 1, Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a great sign. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head was a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she carried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared, another sign. Behold a great fiery red dragon having seven heads on and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. He still drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all the nations with a rod and an iron. And the child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had as a place prepared for her by God, that they should feed, their, feed her there 1,260 days, three and a half years. So we find this great sign that John saw now in heaven. And notice it's not on the earth, it's in heaven that he saw this. And there's three distinct things that he see. 
First of all, he sees this woman, he sees a red dragon, and he sees this man-child or this male child. And we need to identify them. Who are they? Who is this, this, who is God trying to show John out of these signs? Two of those is really easy to identify. If we start with the dragon, if we look there in verse 3, he says, A great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his... And here we find a clue. He says, His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman. Who do you think that is? That is Lucifer, Satan himself. These passages that I've just read to you confirm out of the Old Testament, if you look in Isaiah, in Zechariah, that this is him, the red fiery dragon. And it's easy to identify. Also, we can see that he wanted to persecute, he wanted to kill the male child. If we go back to Genesis, and we see that the prophecy that was given there, it says that a, a child was going to be born. And he's going to crush the serpent's head. So he knew all along that this is going to happen. And here now we find in the sign this red fiery dragon. It's easy to identify. It's also easy to identify the male child. If we read about that in verse 5, he says, He bore a male child. You see the capital letter there? It's a male child who was to rule all the nations. Who do you and I know is going to rule all the nations? There's so many passages in the Old Testament that says that Jesus Christ Himself is going to come and rule with a rod of iron the nations. We've just read it. In Philippians, over the Lord's table this morning, He said that we have given unto Him that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that He is Lord. There's one point there that shows to us that it is Jesus Christ. And also, if you read further on, He says, And the child was caught up, to God and His throne. What happened at the ascension? They saw Jesus Christ who was going up on the clouds into heaven. This is also showing to us that He is Jesus Christ. And then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place. And I want to talk to you about that in a minute or two. But who is the woman? And I must say this morning, I've read so many passages and there's so many ideas out there who this woman could be. There are many who says it's Mary. The Roman Catholic Church this morning says it's Mary. True, it's Mary. And if you read that, and, and they say she's got a moon under her feet and on her head a garland of 12 stars. That's why when you look through all of the literature, they will show you that it's Mary and you'll see the stars on her head. It is physically Mary. And they will also say that the proof is there that it is Mary who gave birth to Jesus Christ. But is it Mary? And then there's another group that says that this woman there is the church. It's us. You see, there's the proof that the church is still here. And it's the church who is this. And they use a lot of other... I mean, I could remember uh, I was preaching in Okatika uh, in New Zealand once and we were driving back and this one person tried to explain to me that this there is the church. It's a long explanation, but the scriptures didn't line up. The scriptures that was used out of the Old Testament did not line up with what he was trying to say. So I want to say this morning, I do not believe that this is Mary physically, and I also do not believe that it's the church. But I believe that this year, this woman here, is nobody else than Israel, the nation of Israel. You say, why is this important? Well, if you look at chapter 12 now, it's really interesting. It's really interesting if you study right through the book of Revelation. It is as if, as if you're watching a movie, and now they take you to one of the characters, and they take right back to birth, and they show this person's life in a quick fashion for you. This is going back into history. And then in chapter 12, history is going to play out in one chapter, in one chapter, the whole history right to the end. Here we have the birth of Jesus Christ. Why do we say that this woman is uh, the nation of Israel? 
because out of the nation of Israel was born the male child. It was out of that nation that this child was born. Yes, Mary was, was the physical mother. But this woman, if you see the word woman there, it talks of a system. It doesn't talk of a child. It talks of a system. Whenever you read that, in Revelation chapter 17 verse 4, we see a symbol of the anti-God system. Because in Revelation 17 verse 4, it talks about the great Babylon. It talks about the great whore there. It's another woman, and it's anti-God. It's against God. But here we find this woman gave birth to the child which was caught up, which was taken up into heaven. It is the great Babylon in Revelation chapter 17, and it shows the world system. We see also, in Revelation chapter 20, verse 20, Jezebel. You remember that? And Jezebel represented everything anti-God, against God. So it's again a system that he's talking about. Yes, there was a woman with the name Jezebel in the Old Testament, but today we have a system in the world, listen to me, a Jezebel spirit in the world. I'm amazed, look honestly, I'm amazed when I look at media these days, the attack on male, white male men in this world today. You might not know it, you might not look into those circles, but I'll tell you there's a, there's a big attack. There's an attack of, uh, upon the male. You see, they want to change God's order around. I'm not standing here as a chauvinist, don't get me wrong this morning. But there is a massive attack to change that order of God. And here we see that there is an order of God just going through. And this is the system he talks about. The great harlot I have explained to you. And now we also find the bride of Christ. If you want to talk about the church, we are part of the bride of Christ. And then we look at Revelation chapter 19, verse 7 and to 8. That talks about the church. So this is not the church. This is Israel. We he was born out of Jesus Christ. Now look at this. It's really interesting. When you see, it says that he wanted to devour the child as soon as it was born. You see that? It says it right there. He says to devour her child as soon as it was born. We see that happened in the Bible, didn't we? I want you to open up with me in Matthew chapter 2. You remember when those magi came to Herod and they said, we want to see the king. And he said, well, I'm the king. No, no, the star appeared into heaven. And we find here an interesting passage here in Matthew chapter 10. You all know this. You all know this. He says in verse 16, Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, he sent them away. He says, when you find this, this king, the child who was born, come to me because I also want to go and bow to him. Remember that? But then when they did, they gave Jesus, when he was a, a toddler, you know, when he was a young boy, they gave him gifts and they went back. And now he felt threatened. And he says there in verse 16, Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in its districts from two years old under according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. You see, Satan used men and he thought he was going to devour the male child. He was going to destroy him. He was going to kill him. And hundreds of children were killed. Young boys under the age of two years old. You see, he was standing before. What happened in heaven played out on the earth. He was standing before the, the woman and he was waiting to devour the child as soon as it was born. And praise God, he didn't succeed in that. So, it says further on there that this male child was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. Is he ruling right now? No, it's coming. It's coming, and this is what we are busy with. Everything that you see in the world happening right now is preparing for Jesus Christ to come back. Everything. All the nations. Every single nation that's around, that, that rages 
all the powers in the world getting ready. Look, it's right there in Psalm chapter 2. Let's go there. In Psalm chapter 2, the nations are standing up, but they don't know. I love this Psalm. Have you read Psalm 2? It starts off with a wonderful question. Psalm chapter 2, he says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? Oh, I love it when I read this and I look at CNN and I look at all of these news stations and they show Vladimir Putin and they show uh, Iran and they show all of these nations and they show ISIS and they show all of these things. Why do the nations rage? Why? I'll tell you why. It is Satan who spurs them on. Look, friends, don't just look at the physical. There's a spiritual that, that fires on the people. They want to stand up against God. They want to fight against Christ. This is what's going on. This is what's going on that you see here in Revelation 12. It's a very important chapter for us. If you understand this, because it gives you the history when Christ was born, when Herod did that, then it continues right through to where we're sitting here today. Why do the nations rage and plot a vain thing? Listen, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. Come on, is that what you see on your TV playing off in the news channels? The UN? Oh, this mighty UN Council. We know everything. We know your health. We know your politics. We know your money. And we can take over and you will have a global empire. Isn't that what the nation is? Have you heard about the Illuminati? Have you heard about this, people? You need to read. You need to look out. Don't just look at CNN and all of these stations. But we read it here in Psalms. So I'm not surprised. When something happened in the world, I'm not taken by surprise. And we shouldn't be. Because it's right there. The rulers take counsel together against the Lord and His anointed. That is what's happening. Look, they took, they took prayer out of schools, didn't they? They took the Bible out of schools, didn't they? And they're coming for you. The UN is coming for you. Good is now, uh, bad is now good, and good is now bad. That is what's happened in our world right now. If you do good things, you can land in jail if you do a good thing. If you do a bad thing, they let you go. I just read during this week, there was, uh, I think, six, a gang of six men who raped a girl. And she went into, into court, and everybody sat there, and they let them go. How can you see? And, and we stand to that and we get enraged by that and say, how can it be? Look, I'm not surprised by that because it's written right here. It's written right here. They're coming for you. They're coming for the anointed one. Who do you belong to? We belong to Christ. Can they physically touch Him here on the earth? No, they can't. Who can they physically touch? He's anointed ones. It's you and me. The world is coming for you and for me. But you see, I'm not surprised because there's a sifting that needs to take place. What will you do when they, when they uh, you know, pump up the heat? Will you still follow Christ or will you turn your back on Him? And here it goes on and he says that. He says, let us break their bounds in pieces and cast their cords from us. Listen to this now, verse 4. He who sits in heaven shall laugh. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. So all of these you and things going on and all of these people getting ready and what is he who sits in heaven doing? He's laughing at them. He's laughing at them. Who's the most powerful entity on this earth? He laughs at them. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and he's distressed them in a deep displeasure. Yet I've set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. This is a decree from the Lord. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I've begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. I feel so sorry for these people who come up against God. And so you should too. Please, my friends, I'm asking you, 
If they get the vilest offender and they find him guilty, pray for him. Pray for him, it's a soul. I'm not saying it's good what they do, but I feel sorry for them because it says here, they will be dashed to pieces. They will be ruled like a ro- with a rod of iron. We're talking about Jesus Christ who's going to come back and do this. So I want to give you comfort this morning. I mean, if you look at the news events, how do you feel? I mean, they say, I mean, I've, I've seen it again uh, in the, this last two weeks. They say there's a, a, a massive financial crisis that's coming. And no doubt it will come. You know, this world can't continue the way it continues. But they're after you, my friend. But I don't want to bring fear in your heart. When these things happen, look about for His coming is nigh. Yes? So we find these three here. Let's continue in Revelation now. These three, and I love Psalm 2. He says now in verse uh, 7, And a war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. You see, there it identifies that great dragon as Satan. Now I just want to correct one thing here. Because you see there it says that Michael and his angels had this fight against the devil. There's only three angels that names I've heard mentioned in the Bible. One is Michael, the other one is Gabriel, and Lucifer. Lucifer, that's the only three. The Jehovah Witnesses and the Seventh-day Adventists will want to tell you this morning that that there, Michael, is Jesus. Be warned, it's not true. That's not Jesus. The angel Michael is not Jesus. And that's what they say. They don't believe that Jesus Christ is God. They believe He's only an angel. That is the premise of their whole teaching. And that is erroneous. That is wrong. This is not Jesus who fights this. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it's not right what they say about Him. But this is the second time that we actually read about Michael taking on Lucifer, isn't it? Turn with me to Jude in your Bible. I hope you've got your Bible here because I want to go to a lot of passages. If we go to Jude, it's the the book just before Revelation. Jude chapter 1. There's only one chapter. (laughs) Jude 1. It says there in verse 9, Yet Michael the archangel... In contending, the word that is arguing with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, did not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. I want you to hear what he's writing down here, Jude. He says that Michael come in an argument with Lucifer about the body of Moses. Why? Because Lucifer knew Lucifer knew that Moses is playing a part in the end times. And that's why he wanted to have his body. Remember, they didn't find Moses' body. When they went into the promised land, Moses stayed behind. Why? Because it was a penalty for him, because he struck the rock. Okay? So he stayed behind, but they couldn't find Moses' body. Did they? And here, we find this passage here, this one verse, where he says that Michael had an argue with Lucifer. But the warning here in this passage in context is for those people who think they can take Lucifer on. I hear it so many times and I think you foolish one. They say, man, we've got to fight the devil. I'm going to take on the devil and I'm going to show him. You can do nothing. If the archangel Michael is arguing and he's not even rebuking him. Look look how he rebukes him in this verse. He says, he, him reviling accusation, but he said, the Lord rebuke you. He did not dare to bring against him a reviling accusation. But he used the name of the Lord. He says, the Lord rebuke you. But there you have it. And now, in Revelation, we find this other fight going on. 
And here we find the war breaks out between Michael and his angels, and they fought with the dragon, and they could not find, they could not uh, overthrow them. They could not prevail against them. Now, I like this next place, because it says, nor was there a place found for them in heaven any longer. And that is important for you and I to understand. Do you believe this morning that Satan still have access to heaven? Today, as we're sitting here. Yes, he does. He still has got access to heaven. He just don't abide there anymore. Because he was thrown out of there, but he still has access there. And, and this is important for you to know. That Satan can't do anything to the child of God if he do not have the permission of God to do that. Have you known that? Go with me to Job. This is important. Open up in Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. Look at this passage here now. We all know about Job. We know that he was a very influential man. He was a rich man. He was praying for his children. No fault could be found in him, in fact. And now in Job chapter 1 verse 6, he says, Now there was a day when the sons of God, which was the angels, came to present themselves before the Lord. You see that? They have to go into heaven and present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. Why? Because he had to present himself before the Lord. Let me, let me just say something here. Satan is not on the same level as God. Please understand that. It's not as if, I see this, I, I saw this photo once where Jesus sits on this side and there's a chessboard and Satan sits on the other side. Have, have some of you seen that? Have, have you? That's blasphemy. Absolute blasphemy. It's not like that. No, no, Jesus is God. Satan can't win against him. He cannot. God is God alone. Then comes his angels. In fact, man was made higher than that. But let's put it in that order. Then comes them. Satan has got no chance against God. He can fight against Michael and the other angels which is on his level. But there's no, no chance for him against God. He says now he had to come before him. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said to him, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. What do you think he was doing? What do you think if he's going to and fro over the earth and walking, what do you think he's trying to do? He's looking at you. And his agents is looking at you. And you know what they do? They write up accusations against you. That's what they do. He's going to and fro. You say, where's the proof? Read on. He says it right there. He, he goes on to say, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? That is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. So Satan answered and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made an hedge around him, around his household, around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. So what is he actually saying? He's actually saying, I have actually went down and I had a look at Job, and I could find no fault. He says, but it's not because he's so good. It's because you are protecting him. And you know what I want to say? Amen! <laughs> that is true. God protects. He protects His children. And now He actually gives it over to a choice. He says, okay, that's fine. Let's see. You can't kill Him, but touch His possessions. Friend, let not your possessions influence your mindset or your decisions. We see that it didn't happen with Him. So every single day, while you and I go through our life, the angels have to appear before the Lord. And you know what happens? They appear before Him to bring an accusation of what you've been doing. Lord, have you been seeing what He and she has been doing yesterday? Have you seen how they've handled that situation? Have you seen what they've done when they closed the door and nobody could see them? He can see. He can see. He's not omnipresent like God. That's why He used to use His agents. 
You look at me skeptical, but let me take it one step further to show to you proof that he goes to the Lord and he accuses you and me. Go with me now to a book, a well-known passage in um, Malachi. Let's have a look. Uh, Zechariah, sorry. Zechariah. Zechariah is one of the prophets. It's closer to Matthew. It's at the end of the Old Testament, just before Malachi. I want to show you this passage here because it will, uh, it will show you exactly what happens here. Zechariah chapter 3. Remember in Job he came, the sons of God had to come and present themselves before the Lord. And he said, I'm going to and fro and walking. And then they had this conversation about Job. This is what happens. Look at this. Zechariah chapter 3 verse 1. Are you there? Say amen. Then he showed me Joshua. Whoa, here is Joshua. The high priest standing before who? The angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to do what? To oppose him. Now look at me church. What is a high priest? He's an agent of God. He works on God's behalf. He brings the nation to God. He's that middle man between the nation and between God. He's supposed to be holy. He's supposed to be uh, sanctified. And here stands Joshua the high priest before the angel of the Lord. And guess who's there as well? Satan. And he brings the accusations. The accusations. Let's read on. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. This is not a brand, uh, is this not a brand uh, plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed, listen to this, with filthy rags, filthy garments, and standing before the angel. I want you to underline in your Bible that word filthy garments. Oh man, I'm going to get excited now because I know where this is going. Here stands Satan, here's the angel of the Lord, there's Joshua, this high priest. I mean, if you walk in the streets and you see the high priest back in the day, you go, Ooh, there's a holy man of God. Isn't it true? They were supposed to be holy men of God. Who holy man of God. You see, that's our perception. That's our vision. I do not believe in a, in a great Christian. Have you heard people say, oh, that's a great Christian. Don't touch him. That's a holy Christian. No, no, no. That's our perception. And our perception sees him as holy. But he stands before the angel of the Lord and he had filthy garments on. That is the stuff that people don't see. It's under the skin, isn't it? It's in your mindset. And here he stands. And who's right there to accuse him? He says, Lord, you do not know Joshua. Look, I'm, I know I'm filling in here. But this is in my, in my thought process. Lord, you don't know him. He's so a holy man before everybody. He sings hallelujah. He prays God. He says the right thing in front of people. But you should see him when he's on his own. Can you identify with this? Lord, you don't know him. And then the Lord turns to him and curse him. He didn't cause curse Joshua, but there's Joshua standing with filthy garments. I would have thought that he can do that now as well and say, Joshua, get out of here, you're filthy. But does he do that? No, let's read on. He says it now further on. Verse 4. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. Praise the Lord, take it away. Take away the filthy garments. And to him and to Joshua he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you. What is iniquity? What is iniquity? Come on, what is it? Your sins from you. Listen, friend, listen to me this morning. You are standing before God in filthy garments until the blood of Christ washes you clean. You know what the blood of Christ does? It takes away the filthy garments. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's the gospel. Who took it away? Was it because Joshua? How much did Joshua speak there? None. Who did the work? He did it. He did it. God did it. He says to him, I've removed your iniquity from you, and now I'm not just going to leave you like that. And 
I will clothe you with rich robes, a rope of righteousness, a rope of righteousness. I will take the filthy garments and give you a rope of righteousness. Friend, you should, you should celebrate in your heart now. You should shout hallelujah. There is Satan standing and you standing before the Lord. And he says, look at him, look at him, look at her. Look at the filthy garments. And he rebukes Satan. And he turned to you and he says, I'll take your filthy rags away. And I'll give you a rope of righteousness. Pure white. You see, where do you get this? If you read on in Revelation, it talks about white robes. It talks about robes of righteousness. He says, and I'll give this to you. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. Why? Why a turban on his head? Why is turban so important? Exactly, my brother. You are just on spot on there. This, this little thing over here, Prince, this is our problem. It's the source of your thinking. Put a clean turban on. Remember when I, when I used the passage, when, when I preached a few Sundays ago, I said, what is repentance? It is a change of your mind. Can you, can you see how these things come together? Look, I don't want to go too quickly and just rush on to the next thing. I want this to sink in. I want you to think about this. I should pause by now for 10 minutes and let you just work through this. Put on a new turban on his head. Give him a renewed thinking. Paul in uh, Romans chapter 12, he says, I urge you, brothers, I urge you to give your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Not to be conformed to this world, but be renewed in what? In your mind. Can you see this picture playing it up now with Joshua? And now he continues on, he says, a turban on his head, so they put a clean turban on his head and they put the clothes on him and the angel of the Lord stood by. There you have it. There you have it. And it says here in this passage, look, there was no place found from him in heaven. So he tells me that the accusations is going to stop. You know who's our intercessor? He's the accuser. But we've got an advocate. Who's that advocate? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our advocate, and He stands and He intercedes for us. How wonderful is this? And there's no place found. He was cast down to the earth. Now, the Bible describes four different falls of Satan. Four different falls. I believe that the year in Revelation chapter 12 is 9 described the second of these four falls. The first one is from glorified to the profane. You remember when He was with God in Ezekiel chapter 28? Um, we read about, uh, verse 14, we read about that. He says, you were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. He talks about Satan here, Lucifer, till iniquity was found in you. And then he was casted down. So that was the first fall from him, from glory to the profane. And now we can see that he was going to lose his access from heaven. And then uh, uh, the third one is from the earth to the bondage in the bottomless pit. You remember when the angel came with a great chain and took him to the bottomless pit? We read about that a couple of weeks ago. And then we will eventually see Satan go from this bottomless pit, be released on the earth for a short while. And then where is his final landing? The lake of fire. The lake of fire. Friends, if you think about that, if you conduct yourself in sin, that is your path. That is your highway. That is your GPS. That is your nav man. That is your tom-tom. Think about that. You find these people who commit secret sins, and what is the first fall? From glory to the profane. Everybody is shocked. The secret comes out. <gasps> Couldn't believe that of that person. We've seen it so over and over again. Come on. Don't sit there and think, you know, we see it on the newspapers. But what they don't realize is they will go when they die and it's set and sit and wait in agony. 
And then where's their final destination? The lake of fire. If that is how you want to live your life, put the coordinates in. You don't need a tom-tom this morning. You've got the word of God directing you to the lake of fire. And you know the saddest thing of all? The lake of fire was never created for man. Never. We have to be serious about this. So that is the fall that he falls now. Now let's continue on in verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren. You see there, the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has what been happened now. Cast down. No more accusation. But it brings a terrible thing. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. A short time. It is wonderful if you see... And I still believe, I know there's people who do not believe that, but I still believe people will come to the Lord. They will come to the Lord. I still believe the Holy Spirit is still uh, um, on, on the earth, but just not in the capacity as in the dispensation of grace. Because, I mean, if Jews are going to come to the Lord, you can only come to the Lord through the Holy Spirit. If you're going to have 144,000 to preach the gospel, you have to have that with the Holy Spirit. But here it's wonderful to see that they will overcame by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood. Hallelujah. We said it this morning at the Lord's table. Through His blood. The forgiveness of sin according to the riches of His grace. Joshua was standing there. The accuser was standing there. And then when he said, he says, we're going to take away that filthy rags and we're going to give him new clean robes. How, did, how does that happen? How does that happen? The blood of Christ. The blood. Colossians chapter 1 verse 14 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. How wonderful is that? Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Where is the conscience sitting? Where is the seed of your conscience? In your mind. In your mind. So what did he say? There, back. He says to them, you put on Joshua what? A, a new turban. <laughs> we can all wear new turbans in heaven. <laughs> no, it's not. There's no scripture verse that says that. <laughs> so what clothes are we going to wear in heaven? Have you thought about that? Yes, it's easy. White robes. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's going to be wonderful. But this is through the blood of the Lamb and through the word of their testimony. Now I want you to look at just two things here quickly before we go on. In verse 12 he says, Therefore rejoice, O heavens. There is a joy going on in heaven. Whilst that happens in heaven, what's going on on the earth? A terrible wrath of the devil who's been cast down because he knows that he has a short time. A short time. Remember, these things are now going to happen in the last three and a half years. And you're going to see things happen as never before in that last part of this time of the tribulation. These things are coming. Then in verse 13 he says, Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast down to the earth, he persecuted the woman. It goes back against now. Who's the woman? Israel. You see, if you put Mary in there, how does it fit? You can't put Mary. But to the woman, to Israel, he's now... I mean, we see now that the whole world is against Israel. It's going to multiply, friends. He says they persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and a half from the presence of the serpent. It's interesting he uses now again the word serpent for the first time. The serpent since Genesis. What is this wing, this eagle? I've, I've read a commentary once where somebody said, this is the big planes that are building now. It's going to be 
big aeroplanes is going to fly them out of Israel. No, no. Well, you have to go back to Scripture in the Old Testament to identify what is he trying to say. He uses these symbols to give them a message. If you, if you go back to Exodus chapter 19, verse 4, he's already used this phrase. Uh, it's a way of connecting these people here now, this woman now to Israel. In Exodus 19, verse 4, he says, You've seen what I did to the Egyptians. Remember, this is when God took them out of Egypt. He says, you see what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. It's a matter of speak. He brought them on eagles' wings and brought them to himself. He saved them out of that troubles, out of Egypt, when they were pursued by the Egyptians. And here he uses the same. He says he's been giving two wings of a great eagle. So what does it mean? It means that God's protection is coming upon Israel. Upon them. Um, I want to come back to one point, and I think I, because he talks about a place of escape, a place of escape. Um, but I'll come back to that. Look at verse 15. He says, So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman. What does this mean? The serpent spewed out water like a flood. After the woman, he's now pursuing Israel. Look, friends, this is playing up over the news. He's getting ready for that. That he might cause her to be carried away in the flood. So let's just think about this. What is he trying to say? Have you seen floods? Have you seen the devastating power of water? I, I looked on YouTube about the tsunami that came to Japan. And they showed this one village where the alarms rings off and people, there's, there's a, a, a big river there with some uh, walls there up against the river. And they started warning these people. They said, look, the tsunami, great tsunami is coming. You know what the people did? Selfie! In front of the big river. Yeah, the water is coming out. You know, the water is draining out. You can walk nearly through this river. There's no water in it. And people are hanging over and looking and just gently walking around. And then this, this guy is con he's recording the whole thing. And then the water starts coming up a little bit higher, a little bit higher, coming in, coming in. And then they realize, oh, goodness, you know, we're in trouble. Here. And they start running. And then they run into the schools up, and they, they show the full effect and the power of this. When I think about these words, that is what he's trying to say. Look, it's like a flood coming. You can't stand against this. I hear people and say to churches, get ready to, to stand against this flood that's coming. We can't. It's meant to be, it's coming like a flood. This is the picture that it's giving here to, to make it understandable. He says in verse 16, but the earth helped the woman. How can the earth help the woman? And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring to keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So what does it mean then? If this flood comes, and we know now he's talking about a destructive power that Satan's going to throw out to, to Israel. What then if the earth opens his mouth? Again, you need to go back to the Old Testament to understand what he's talking about. In Isaiah chapter 59, he says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, like a flood, the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. So this is what he means by the enemy will throw a flood to Israel, but the Lord through His Spirit will lift up a standard. He will protect. That's just picture or um, talking in emblems there for you and for me to understand. Let me tell you, there's a great anti-Semitism that's going to come to this world, greater than what Hitler tried to do. I believe as I'm standing in front of you, more than 6 million Jews died. More than them. They, they are trying now to say, no, it's not true, and it's all fake news and all of that. It's true. They were Jews who, who were killed in gas. They were burned. But it's going to get worse. But here's the great news. There is a standard risen from the Spirit of God, and it's going to be protected. There's one that I just, before we, we pray and finish, there's one that I just want to go back to. Because it says there, that there was given an opportunity for them to, to hide in the wilderness. You see verse 6. He says, Then 
the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God. I want you to go into your Google and type in there Petra. The word Petra. There is a mountain range. It's in Jordan. And there's photos of it. I think they shot a film there. Um, yeah, the last, uh, yeah, they shot a film there. And it's beautiful. Now everybody says that's the place. So much so that a group of businessmen, Christian businessmen, has actually printed a lot of tracts. Christian tracts, and they're hiding them into those rocks. That's what I read. I don't know how true it is. You know what I want to say to them? You are wasting your money. <laughs> you are wasting your money. You see, if he wanted to say that that was Petra, why didn't he say that they, the woman fled into the wilderness or into Petra, which is in the wilderness, which is similar to the place there? And if I am the enemy, then I can read the Bible and say, oh, that's Petra. Are they all going to go to Petra? Let's go there before they go. Friend, God doesn't work like that. Do you want to say, you know, you know, it's not Petra? Well, I don't believe it's Petra. I believe God will be prepared. Whether it's going to be through an earthquake, but there will be a place of hiding for Israel. Is it Petra? I don't know. Secondly, why do I say they are wasting money? Because God has got His way in the end time where other gospel is going to be spread. It's called the 144 Jews is going to preach the gospel. It's going to be two angels who's going to preach the gospel. We'll see that next time. It's going to be two witnesses who comes and judge. So why do we want to try to take God's work in His hand? I, look, I don't want to cut down on them. If they feel the eagerness and do that, and one person picks up a tract and, and gives his heart to the Lord, praise God. I'm not against that. But let us not try to do God's work for Him. This is His work. So where do you and I sit this morning? As I close before we pray. I want to go back to the accuser this morning. The accuser. Friend, he accuses you today. He's still around accusing. But I want you to take the courage this morning that as we have an accuser, we also have an advocate. His name is Jesus Christ. I want to ask you this morning, come to him. Give your filthy garment to him so that he can give you a rope of pure white. In Jesus' name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is clear. And as we stay, stay with the word through your spirit, Father, that you will guide us through that. Father, my faith is built this morning by reading your word, by understanding, Lord, that you have a plan for your nation, but through that nation also a plan for us. As Paul has written, Lord, that we are grafted into, into Israel. And we thank you for that. Father, we thank you this morning for Jesus Christ. I take a lot of courage, Lord, out of that passage in Zechariah, Father, where it says, Lord, that you take away our filthy garments, our filthy rags, and you give us a rope of righteousness, of pure white. Father, help us this morning. Help us as we go through this week, Lord, to, to have that turban on our heads, the turban of right, the, the helmet, Lord, of protection on our thoughts, Lord, in things that we do. But in all of this, Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ who died for us and paid the price. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.